Hello, welcome to Fave This, a podcast about fandom, internet culture, and video games. I'm joined this week by Compete staff writer Maddie Myers. Hello, Maddie. Hello, Gita. And I'm I'm not Patricia. <laughs> I wish I were. But the I'm ghost not. of Patricia Hernandez is here. Actually, we are talking today about something that came up because <laughs> Patricia is playing Bayonetta for the very first time on the Switch. I know. Should we just speculate about what a great time we think she's having? I think she must be having an, and she really wanted to talk about it. So she's going to be I so know. sad. But With the two of us I specifically. Know. So way back in the day, me and Maddie uh, were on a panel at GamerX that was <laughs> called wasn't Bayonetta that Studies. That was it a was million only like years two ago. two years ago, was, which is a thousand years in video game time. That's true. That's true. But, yeah. yeah, we were we were on a panel about Bayonetta and how wonderful she is, and and yeah, it was called something like Queer Studies in Bayonetta. Something I like don't that, yeah. you remember the title better than I do, but it was about like why queer people and especially like queer femme presenting people really like Bayonetta and just sort of the complexity of her as a character who's designed by a guy with a glasses fetish and just <laughs> you know just the different layers of it all. Yeah. It's- my it's one friend, uh, author Max Neely Cohen, who whose book Echo of the Boom is fantastic. You should all read it. Um, his whole thing is most video games are like drag shows, and Bayonetta mm. especially is a drag review. That's yeah. all. It is. It's fascinating to me. Um, but because Bayonetta is back out on the Switch now, we're beginning to see like a revival of a discourse we both find very tiresome. So this is less about like is titty bad this week then is the discourse surrounding titty we're bad. gonna solve it right <laughs> yeah no in it, the next 30 minutes no, we're, we're just gonna, gonna bring it another layer out like <laughs> is it worth it even to have the conversation in this industry about whether or not titty bad you know i mean i i think we have to have it i don't i don't know if i can answer whether it's worth it to have it because that's like <laughs> too big of a question but i i think it's a conversation that is inescapable I so for me I feel like Bayonetta is always going to be on the forefront of this just because of when I started writing about games which was like I graduated college in 2008 and I was already interning at the Phoenix in a year prior so like it's not quite right but Bayonetta the first one came out in 2009 so I was already writing about games for the Phoenix and I remember Lee Alexander was when she was still covering games back then wrote this essay about Bayonetta and how she was like to to boil it down it, she basically was like i kind of like bayonetta as uh, as weird as that may sound and i was kind of like reading that and being like is it okay to like this character and like young me was my her mind was blown in that moment um <laughs> yeah. and so since then though i feel like a billion things have happened. I mean, it's been like a decade since then. It's been a, it's been a wild ride through games journalism and like the discourse, right? Like we've had we've had many different layers like stacking on top of that first conversation that I I think we can give the credit to Lee on starting yeah. that one. She and then was the one. since then, it's just been other people being like, "Is Bayonetta good or bad?" And we have to decide. And th- the fate of all video game titties and butts rests upon. <laughs> You know, well, whether or not like Bayonetta that's... is evil. Yeah, I, I feel like this feeds into my least favorite kind of sort of cultural critique, which is the is it feminist or not sort of yes. critique. Uh, I think that it's really 
not useful to think about whether or not things are feminist because that comes with a value judgment, also an implicit value judgment of whether mm-hmm. or not it's good or bad with yes. good being feminist and bad being unfeminist. But like, there's a lot of things in my life that are not particularly feminist, but I can still get things out of them that make me feel good or empowered. Like I, on the way over here, I was listening very loudly to Dragula by Rob Zombie. And there's <laughs> not a lot of things about Rob Zombie I would call feminist. <laughs> But, you know, Living Dead Girl, great song. I am a creature with an insatiable lust for the dead. So (laughs) I really relate to that. Uh Uh, You know, it's it's uh, and someone I I talked about this on Twitter the other day. I'm like, I said, you know, Dragula's number one, Living Dead Girl's number two. And they were like, Mm -hmm. Living Dead Girl is the better lap dance song, though. And ever since then, Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about like. What other, you know, that's an unusual pick, but it's so fascinating to think of that song as a place, like a, a, a lap dance song. Uh, what yeah. does that say yeah, about yeah, yeah. that song and about the, like the sexiness of that song? I find those kinds of conversations way more interesting than... Uh, oh, they're more fun. Yeah, they're I more mean... fun. And in the long run, I wouldn't so don't want to talk about things that... Uh, are bad like it's so much less useful for me as a woman who is a feminist to talk about the ways in which everything and literally everything is Mm anti-feminist i just want to i want to talk about the ways to survive in this twisted shitty culture that we live in and sometimes that is loving the game about the witch with guns in her shoes yeah i mean i think for me it's also just people love binaries and rules and uh, it just seems like all the discourse about games is so hinged on that. And people really want there to be like a right answer to these questions. And I think I think it's upsetting to hear that there isn't one, you know, like it's yeah. it's upsetting to be told like, no, you can't. There's not like a certain number of square feet of clothing that you can put on a character and then it's OK. And like even debating that is is more about like fake respectability than what you actually see about the character and our idea of what a body should and shouldn't look like and like people don't want to hear that response they want to be told like this game is good this game is bad they want things to be review scores and you know like yeah especially when you actually look at the text of Bayonetta this is a character that is just a pro-dom that's what she is (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what's so great about the games, though. Like, I would love to have Patricia here to talk about them. But I really, I mean, this is the part of the conversation that almost never happens because it's always about, like, what Bayonetta looks like as opposed to what the games are saying, which is, like, what if we did a story that was centered around the sexy sorceress villain who is in so many games and, like, presented as, like, the evil character? And, like, what if she was the hero? And what if these other characters around her, like, maybe thought they were the hero, but they're not? It's Bayonetta, and she's going to continue to be the hero. And, like, I don't know. It's cool. It's, It's not something... I think anybody talks about yeah. it, but it's fine. There's moments I think of objectification. <laughs> the camera is so interested in Bayonetta's taint, you know. But the uh-huh. Bayonetta as a character, <laughs> it's weird because I feel like in a difference between most games with sexy characters, like um, we were we brought up Ivy from Soul Calibur before the show. Yeah. Um, but the difference... I feel like fighting games, like we can get to that in a yeah. second. Like they're the kind of their own category because it's a multiplayer situation, which I think does change the way the camera behaves and the perception that people have of a game 
and like yeah. it's a little different than yeah. like near automata is the yes. other one yeah. that people talk about God. which is maybe more of a closer analog since you're still looking at a hot butt the whole time <laughs> divulge <laughs> the saddest story about near automata later in a minute though The way the camera treats Bayonetta is different from the way the text of the game treats Bayonetta, right? And there's like a difference between those two things, which I think is sometimes really hard for players to grapple with. That the camera might be objectifying, even though the character in the text is not is a character that feels fully formed and has her own and is in control and is like doming people. Well, Bayonetta's whole thing is to tell you not to touch her. She gets naked, and like her nakedness is a weapon against you. I know, which is such a a dominatrix thing. I know. I know. There's this great um, segment on Reply All, that podcast Reply All, um, about a pro dom that doms people by taking over their computers, and it seemed it was just fascinating because the thing that people are getting off of is uh, exposing themselves to a powerful person or powerful being. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, Bayonetta just feeds into that directly by, you know, she's making you horny, but even as a player, you were never allowed to touch or be near her. You just have to be in awe of her. And it is a real deep look into the psyche of Hideki Kamiya. <laughs> <laughs> he seems fine, honestly. I mean, I get he knows it. what he's into. That's pretty mm-hmm, tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I think something you're kind of getting at there is, like, if a game is just overtly presenting someone's specific fetish like what do we think about that like is that just fine i mean i kind of look at bayonetta as a game and like just the honesty of its creator and i'm like you know this is fine like no one is pretending that this is something that it's like showgirls you know like i I can't showgirls is deeply sexist obviously but i can't be mad at fucking showgirls i mean it's doing what it set out to do i I get a little more angry at stuff like like fighting games where there's kind of this pretense that it's not sexual and that it's like a serious game. I, not always, well, but just, yeah, you know, sometimes that's how it's talked about. And I'm like, okay, but we all see what's happening here, right? Yeah. Like, it's. I get frustrated with really fighting games game. when they like present a character who's supposed to be wholesome and like their entire backstory is wholesomeness. Uh, I'm thinking like Sakura <laughs> from uh, Street yes. Fighter. But then they sexualize yeah. her anyway. So the, yeah. the camera, it's not like the camera and the text are two different things. It's more like the, the camera is acting in violation of the text. And that is just like, she's a child. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they sexualize Chun-Li too, which is really strange because Chun-Li is like the most straight-laced cop. And it's like, what? what? It, the camera just loves everything about the female characters yeah. in Street Fighter. But I've written about that before. Yeah. I mean, I, Ivy is the example that everyone goes to, though, and I feel like that has a lot more with, in common with Bayonetta than Oh, yeah. Because she is a dominatrix as well. Her and so, so today, yeah, today the Ivy reveal trailer came out for Soul Calibur 6 and, like, of course Ivy's gonna be in the next Soul Calibur that's not even really surprised. But, like, she's so... I think Ivy is, like, the character that people think of when they think of like who is the sexy fighting game character that is just too much you know like yeah. i feel like ivy is everybody's go-to and, you know, and she is... is too much but i feel like i've seen kimura <laughs> on drag race wear it also so yeah like, you know so 
I don't know. I was watching that reveal trailer and just, I mean, again, it's the camera. It's like as she pivots her hips, the camera like swings around to make sure you get a good look at her ass, like as she's stomping on her opponent. And it's like, there's just so much, so much sexy stuff happening here. It's yeah, it's like, just like an advertisement for people like cock and ball torture. Like, that's, what, yeah. that's what it feels like to me. <laughs> Which then I'm like, so who is this game for? Mm-hmm. And what... This is why it's tricky for me with fighting games, because I'm like, you know, I can't not acknowledge the criticisms that people have where they're like, I'm looking at this game and I feel like it's not for me because I'm seeing this like intensely sexual content and like that isn't what I want in a game that I'm playing. And like, I get that. Like, it should be something you opt into and not part of so many fighting games and like only the female characters, you know, like it's not... It's not like we're getting the, the yeah. Ken Ryu fanfics that I dream of. Um, and, and so, like, I can't I can't ignore that as being, like, a criticism that's valid. And I don't know. It's, it's tough. Yeah, I, there's no I, end to this. <laughs> the other thing, though, is I I look at sometimes I look when I even at stuff where I I do agree, like the sexualization turns me off from the game itself. Mm-hmm. I look at some of the ways that both men and women are criticizing that sexualization, and I find myself frustrated because it always feels like they're describing a woman's body they don't like, as opposed yep. to they are just describing something about the way the game frames that body that feels uh, lurid or inappropriate. I mean, mm-hmm. near for mm-hmm. me, that conversation around near and the, the big the big booty to be, uh, that ended up being a conversation that was really frustrating for me because it felt like people were more angry at the fact that to be what had a body shaped like a lot of other human beings' bodies and not <laughs> yeah. about the opportunity to look up her skirt or the just the way that it's just so lovingly animated. They spent a long time on that ass. <laughs> Yeah. Like even and that kind of stuff, I don't really mind. I actually I played the game, and you spend a lot of time extremely far away from her body. I know you have to make a real effort to see her naked if you want to, and you really don't really see her that naked. You just see her in a leotard. It's like no more or less chase than most pop stars. Yeah, um, and it's but the the fact that she is wearing something risque at all or has a body shape that is not um not. It's about okay. So there's this a thing about women's bodies where they if they're shaped in a certain way, a lot of people or society at large has determined that those bodies are sexual mm-hmm. more so than other yeah, kinds yeah, yeah. of bodies. I mean, I've definitely seen this with Ivy as well, for yeah. what it's worth, especially like the breast size. Yes. Of, Whenever of... you talk about video game characters with large breasts, yep. it's the breasts are the problem and not the way that the camera treats that character with large breasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's... It's like how in Tomb Raider, now Laura has smaller boobs, so therefore she's a stronger female character. I know. I'm like, okay, I am a woman. I'm an actual flesh and blood woman. My bra size is what, 34F or something like that. It's ridiculous. There can't be, they can't Miley Cyrus, that it be three, be tamed. Um, I watched that video the other day, actually, because I was like, did she really make a video where she was a sexy bird? And she did. Yeah, she did. And she's in a cage. And she, the the bars are too far apart. She she crawls out. I love how I've also seen this video and I I was right there. (laughs) 
I was I was in there with you. Yeah. So my my bra my boobs are Miley Cyrus in the video for Can't Be Tame. They just walk yeah. on out of the restraints. They are a bird. Yeah. It's pretty it's incredible. Two sexy birds in my chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's like. Um, how are actual women supposed to feel about their own bodies when you point at Ivy's body as being the problem rather yep. than the way that people treat and talk about Ivy's body? Mm-hmm, and I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, I don't think I know that you can't quote like slut shame a fictional character, but you have to talk about what is getting criticized here. And if it's the body of a woman, then you have to think about what it is that you are actually angry at. If Are you angry at sexy bodies existing? If so, you have to step back and think about why these bodies were deemed so sexual, so out of control sexual that they had to, they have to be covered up all the time. Yeah, what yeah, force yeah. in society is making you feel that way? It's the patriarchy. <sighs> It's tough, though, because in our case, we're criticizing characters that were literally designed. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not real women's bodies that we're talking about. Like, that's the other thing that is lurking in the shadows when, you know, you see bad criticism of video game heroines is like, oh, I can tell this person just hates women's sexuality in general. But it's also like, well, Ivy was created in a lab by a bunch yeah. of straight dudes. And like, okay, you know, that's fine. It's clear. It's it's clear to, to look at her design. But it's also like, what would that character look like if a woman was involved? And I, that's kind of what Bayonetta is. Yeah, Bayonetta's you have, designer was a woman. She was right. taking her cues from Camilla, uh, but she she is the author of that character, really. So you kind of have like this woman negotiating this like her straight guy boss who has really specific fetishes, and like the sort of back and forth of that creative team, I think, is part of what makes Bayonetta so interesting to me in ways that Ivy kind of isn't, because I feel like that that's kind of lacking in her. She's she's very straightforward. I am happy that, to play as Ivy, yeah. but there's no like larger narrative there really. With Bayonetta, I'm like, this is so complicated that it's interesting to me. In you know? Nier, I feel like you can see the female collaborators in that story oh, too. Oh yeah, like, definitely. With, with 2B, I mean, it's not a story about sexy robot lady does sexy stuff and is sexy. It's a story about <laughs> philosophy and the nature of humanity told through the eyes of a, a woman and her and sexuality like beauty as a construct yes yeah like the one of the very first bosses in that game we've talked about this before is um simone de beauvoir who's written a lot about beauty like they 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 and in that specific instance uh, about it was about this moment she had with a romantic relationship that didn't work out um mm-hmm. and that is something that is directly relevant and tied to to be's body and to be as a being that people are in the game are attracted to. Not just yeah. the player, but other characters feel a sexual pull to tor- towards 2B. And I feel like this is a thing that's missing from a lot of video games that wanted to have main characters that are sexy. Like well, that one, uh, Hades, that robot game, that was just portal but sexy, basically. <laughs> you remember that yeah. one where it's just like a big big fat ass in your face and she like didn't have a head and it was real weird. <laughs> <laughs> and just looked like a, and she had like this crazy walk cycle where her just her hips were just swinging back and forth, and every part yeah, of her bounce. It's been a while since I thought about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that. I'm always ready to engage in a game that is about sexuality, and it only makes sense for that kind of game to have characters that are sexually attractive. Um, but you have to actually put the work in. 
Yeah. I mean, I think the other problem, which I am far from the first person to point it out, but like a lot of these stories are being told by like the same kinds of people. Like we don't really have that many games that are about like queer expressions of sexuality and sexiness and like what that means. I mean, it's part of why Lady Killer in a Bind was like so talked about was just because everybody was like, oh, cool, a game where someone's doing that. <laughs> and, and like, I don't, there there aren't like AAA games where that's happening, really. So I don't know, I'm, I'm left to just sort of flummox with my crush on Armika and Nadeshko alone and just be like, I guess nobody at Capcom is, is catering to me. So I'm just gonna have to is do what I can Is having a crush on Armika for you kind of like having a crush on yourself or is that? <laughs> <laughs> if I looked that good, yeah, if only. Um, I, I don't imagine know. you as like a seven foot tall wrestler with thighs Thank that you. kill a man. So. I also do. And then I catch a <laughs> glimpse of myself in the mirror and I'm like, right, I don't look like Armika. That's messed up. It's, it's pretty messed up. <laughs> Who should we petition to make sure that you are Armika in the next game? I don't know. Who would let us I, know? The voice actress is actually that? very good. I can't remember her name, but she's she's got like a huskier, sexier voice than I do. Call me, whoever you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that thought. I... I guess I'm just saying it's complicated and I wish there were more different kinds of expressions of sexy women in games. Yeah. And that's like the easy way out, right, of this debate is to just be like, well, there should just be more sexy women in games who are differently sexy and made I by mean, different but people. This is sort but of the bar we're at with this discourse. Like the, the we have to change it from the binary being all sexy or no sexy, right? It just has mm -hmm. to like that is actually where we are. That's why every time we end up talking about Bayonetta ends up being this enormous fight amongst people that just find the character disgusting and people who are find it like passionately and okay. And the thing about it is like it can be both good and bad. It can be both good and bad. And that's totally fine for there to be good and bad things about it. We just yeah. have to actually actively engage with the idea of this character being sexy and sexual. Like what yeah. does it mean? We have to ask these questions. And that means like I would like to just have more than one conversation. The yeah, same conversation and I mean, it, it is also simultaneously impossible given that, like, everything about how women are seen sexually is already dictated by, like, you know, patriarchy from Victorian era bullshit. So, yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> it's like we can't we can't separate out the society that we live in. But whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Is it? Fine? I don't know. You don't sound like it's not <laughs> fine for you. I'm trying to like wrap it up because I have to go. Okay. But so so do you feel like we solved it or like how do you how do you think we're doing? You know, a show of hands me in this room just me. Yeah, I think I we're just solved. I just don't want you to end up with like a bunch of really angry email from from your listeners being like Maddie came on and she was like, Ivy's great and all sexuality is fine. And then she left. And I, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. No, I think it is really complicated. I mean, really I think where you left it though is just like, it is sort of sad to just be like, let's have more and more different kinds. But that is really what I would like. As more people play Bayonetta, as it becomes more accessible, I hope that the takeaway isn't, hmm, I love tits. Or, hmm, titty bad, but, hmm, more different kinds of tits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. All right, Maddie, thank different you so much for joining us. Different kinds of tits. Oh, my God. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. All I right. love you, too. All right. I'm going to go ahead and do the outro. You can just leave. So.
Okay, bye. I'll send you my audio. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, if you want to get in t- contact with us, you should email us at favethisatkotaku.com or tweet at us on Twitter um, with the hashtag favethis. I'd like to thank Levi Sharp, who's in the booth right now. He made me an old-fashioned, and it was delicious. Uh, I'd also like to thank Mandana Mofidi, who is the executive director of audio here, um, and Stuart Wood, who did our commercial music, and Melomix, who did our theme music. I also want to give a special shout-out this week to Split Screen. They are having... Now, uh, first, hopefully, first big special episode, uh, March 1st, about the secret hunters of destiny. And I am so pumped to listen to this. They've been working on it really, really hard. Um, it's going to be a blast. Uh, and that's it. Uh, thank you so much again to Maddie Myers. She is staff writer at Compete. And she is an, a delight, just an absolute delight. So uh, I hope you will join us next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.